0: Hello there, everybody, and welcome to the Manchester is the Red podcast, brought to you by the Manchester Evening News, and also coming to you on YouTube. Please go over to our brand new YouTube channel, uh, Man United underscore MEN, to see all our lovely mugs in living colour. And those lovely mugs belong to myself, Dan Murphy, as well as Mister Samuel Lockhurst, Sam Yule. How's it going? Uh
1: very well, thank you. I've got a lot to live up to. You're feeling very, you're sounding very festive. It sounds down, so I I don't think any of us can live up to that whatsoever. Oh, there we go. There we go. I I didn't get the the memo, really. I didn't get
0: the memo. I I feel let down now, but we'll try and bring the Christmas spirit up. So we'll go and crack a Bailey's open or something. We'll properly enjoy you. Get all snug in for the Christmas period. Why not? eh? And also joining us
2: today, of course, is Mr Tyrone Marshall. Ty, how's it going? I am very good, thank you, Dan. Very good. I am feeling uh, out of place as well in my uh, my plain dark grey jumper. I should have gone for the <laughs> um, should have gone for the festive look. one of the joys of working from home, isn't it? So uh, exactly. So Wanted to, I want to exactly. get the jumper on after. So I'm, I'm swiftly heading out after this podcast for the, the traditional Christmas curry. So you've
0: got to dress the part because if you don't, it's a law. You have to wear the jumper. If not, um, we're all in for digs, and I really don't want to be digged. Um, digged much like Burnley were. on Wednesday when United returned to competitive action for the first time in over five weeks with a professional, comfortable 2-0 win. Samuel, you were there, of course. Um, Was it good to be back?
1: It was, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Obviously, the attendance was reduced due to some of the industrial action going on, but Burnley took a a good contingent there. I think they had some like 6,000 or 7,000 supporters. Uh, United fans were in pretty good voice as well. You, you sense that a lot of people were, were grateful to to be back after this um, not, not unexpected ap- period of absence. Everyone knew it was coming, but it was still Peculiar watching World Cup games with the weather like this rather than having the the windows open and, and sitting around in your, your shorts and it, it being summertime. But it, as you said, it was it was a professional performance by United. I thought it was a decent warm up act in some ways for, for the Forest game next week in that. Burnley and Forest aren't separated by many places in the the football league ladder. Uh, Burnley atop, top, not lost many games this season. I think they only made three changes from the team that that beat Middlesbrough or, or Michael Carrick's Middlesbroughs. We have to now call them uh, at the weekend. So it was it it was pretty you know good going for United that they got a a reasonable two nil win. It it wasn't uh, without the odd hairy moment. I think we'll, we'll get on to Martin Dubravka at, at some point. But given that five of the starters were in World Cup squads and I, I'd say those some of those players look sharper than uh, the, some of the players who were actually in the, the, the training camp in Spain, Rashford obviously scored a tremendous goal, thought Fernandes was very influential, Eriksen, that's two goals in two games for him as well, and really, the tone was set by by Ten Hag's um, presence on the touchline. I, I it seemed to me anyway in the first ten minutes. I've really seen him that animated. He he clearly wasn't going to entertain any remote lethargy from players, whether they were at the World Cup or not. He was on their case quite quickly. Uh, one of those players was Aaron Wambasak, and and he responded very well. With uh, I think it was his first assist since May 2021, so it was a long time coming. They they don't come very often from him either, but overall, it was a very good night for United. And a good, as I say, given that it was their first game in 38 days, uh, they should be well satisfied with that. And, of course, the draw that they've got for the next round against Charlton. Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, it was... um... It was a comfortable win, but Burnley did definitely, um, you know, gave it a good go. Manuel Benson um, gave a lot of uh, grief to Malassia down on the United's left-hand side, and Ashley Barnes could have at least had um, two goals. There was one right at the end, which he um, absolutely should have uh, scored after, I believe, a Casimiro mistake, was it? He may have given the ball away. Um, yeah. A bit worrying at how much kind of joy Burnley did get, I think, but it kind of makes sense given that they, they're, you know, they're fresh, they're still playing championship fixtures, as Samuel mentioned, in good form at the top of the championship. United coming back in to be able to, you know, ride that storm, so to speak, and for, for the first half an hour, it was a bit lethargic going forward, a bit um, uninspiring. But then, as Samuel mentioned again, that one bit of spark from Fernandez, a great little pass over the top, him carrying on his brilliant World Cup form, and then you get the goal, and it was, it was pretty comfortable there on in. But, you know, with a makeshift defence, you know, Ten Hagen named a pretty strong side. Midfield and your forward line pretty much as strong as it could have been. It was only the, the defence that was a bit weak due to circumstances, which we'll touch on momentarily. Um so to kind of deal with the, the threats that Burnley now have, they're not the they're not the uh the, the hit and hope side that we came to know and love during Sean Dyche's uh, reign of terror in the Premier League, they're a much more expansive attacking and fun side to watch now under a certain Vincent company. So to, to deal with um, a decent amount of attacking threat and come away with a clean sheet, <laughs> despite having as Samuel mentioned again, Martin Depravka in goal, um
2: certainly a positive to take. Yeah, you know it was good. They got a proper test, really, on the on the first game back, and Burnley did give them a proper test. They offered very little Burnley for the first half an hour, but once they got Benson into the game, they did look dangerous, and they play very good football. and and Like we touched on earlier in the week, they are flying at the moment, and I I actually thought they caused United more problems than they did in a way. I thought thought at the start of the week that United this was a real banana skin for for United. I think the fact that Ten Hag picked such a strong team and Picks players after essentially one training session showed how seriously he was taking it. Bernie had had two competitive games, scored six goals. They are flying at the moment. The one thing they've improved on under company's season has gone on is that ability to score goals and, and create chances. And they came to Old Trafford and played that way really, and and tried to play and tried to to pass through the thirds and pass out from the back. And they did, they did go into the game and, and gave United a, a proper workout, which in a way is what you want. I think United will benefit from that. Going into the the Forest game, um, United controlled controlled the game for most of it. Certainly until they were two 0 up. I think two, as we touched on, two really well worked goals. I thought the Fernandez pass for the first was was sublime, and Fernandez was magnificent. I thought he's he, he just looks phenomenal at the moment. The form the form he's in, you could see it kind of three or four weeks maybe before the World Cup that he was he was improving, and then he had a brilliant World Cup for Portugal and. Has returned by the looks of things in in top form still. So so he was excellent, but it was a, a proper workout. And I don't think you know I'd be very surprised if Bernie weren't in the Premier League next season and playing that way. They they might have games where they get thrashed playing that way, but they'll also have games where they cause good teams problems. And it was a a good test for United, like we say, with a pretty makeshift defense. A right back who played four minutes all season. A defensive midfielder at centre back. A left back who who hadn't played for a long time. Um. So it, it, it was a makeshift defence and it was it was good that they got a decent workout, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Samuel, the man coming out of the match um, with the, the the headlines and the plaudits was Aaron wan Basaka. The, the, the writing seemed to be on the wall for his time at United. You know, since his £50 million pound switch, I think it's hard to argue he's done anything other than kind of regress. He arrived as a really promising right back. Um, started well, got into the England squad, I believe, in like the October after he signed, but had to pull out Uh, due to injury and still hasn't picked up his first cap but you know he's just he was always a starter in the Solskjaer and I think maybe that lack of competition at least you know Davo was there but Solskjaer didn't seem to rate him kind of cost him he coasted a bit and he just regressed He, he never managed to hone those attacking skills which kind of made Solskjaer want to try and sign Trippier and then the defensive side of his game towards the end started to abandon him as well um he first lost his place under Ragnik and then Ten Hag even seemed even before he was through the door. Kind of appeared to make up his mind about him. It was pretty clear from the first week he was in um, at Carrington that Dalo would be first choice, and Wambersack was pretty much free to leave. No serious suitors came forward, and you know, United tried to bring in Sergini or Dest, uh, Dest as well. So with January coming up, it did seem pretty did seem pretty clear that Wambersack would be one of the ones potentially out of the door. But now, if he. Yeah, promising display. Not by no means a transformative display, I wouldn't say. I think Burnley had quite a bit of joy down um his his side at some points, and as you say, Ten Hag barking at him um pretty early on as well. But to get his first assist for so long, as you mentioned, and to finally, you you know, it's it's always I find it always mad to believe they actually started his career at Palace as like a winger slash striker because he it seems to show. You know, maybe it makes sense why he was quickly moved to a, a defender because he shows. Little to no-nouse of going forward. But he did there. He he did really well to get to that ball. That was about to go out. He directed the ball straight into the path of the arriving Ericsson. And, you know, first start since February, I believe you wrote. So, to kind of come in rusty as anything, to put in a really promising display like that, it's perfect timing ahead of the January transfer window. And, you know, is, is there kind of life in this time at United yet?
1: I still have my doubts about that. I mean it was it was Stephen uh, early in the week who who noted that it was if he did start, it was his first home start since February. I think he's the, the last time he'd started before that was, was Everton away in, in early April. So however way you look at it, it was it was a long, long time and the only reason he started um in, in Spain was because of the you know, the absence of all the World Cup players for those friendlies. He he didn't even start during pre-season. I think he he, he was obviously on the tour in, in Australia and, and in Bangkok, but dallow starts all those games. And then he was injured for the, the two final friendlies in, in Oslo against Atletico and um, Rayo Vallecano at Old Trafford. There's, fortunately, United have still got a level of interest in him and, and West Ham, obviously the story was done last week, um, that, that they're still looking at him. You look at their situation at right-back, it's not settled at all. There are other Premier League clubs you could easily see wan ending up at. The needs of the first team do come first. And if Dallow is injured for the rest of this year, um, this calendar year, I should say, then that's going to have an impact on what United decide to do with wan because they're not going to leave themselves short. And really, it would kind of inconvenience them to have to try and sign a right-back mid-season as well whether it's on a loan or, or a permanent basis, it's it's only one month you've got. And obviously that month is going to be dominated by them trying to sign or looking to identify a, an ideal forward to come in and, and, and reinforce the attack. So if they can get away with keeping wan I think they'd be receptive to that. But it depends what the terms would be. Uh, the terms that are being offered by uh, a buying club or a loaning club to take him off their hands, because I, I don't see any real way back there for him. As you say, it's almost you know the, the cut-off point of his career almost coincided pretty much with, with Solskjaer's sacking. He, he did start a couple of games under Michael Carrick, but then he had a it was a strange injury, something like a hand injury that forced him to miss Carrick's last game in, in caretaker charge against Arsenal. Dallo came in, didn't look back, and I remember when Wan-Bissaka was recalled, I think it was against Leeds in February, and everyone was shocked by it. It was was completely incongruous um, inclusion. And he he got done by Daniel James in that game for for Leeds' equaliser. Unfortunately, United, they overspent on him. As as Ty said the other day, he became this poster boy of how rigorous their recruitment uh, is or was. With the whole eight hundred and four right back shortlist. I don't think that really did him any favors. Although in his first season he had a he had a good seat, he had a good first season. From then on, there's been maybe one minor purple patch. I seem to recall him playing very well against Southampton, but it was it was when United annihilated them nine nil, and Southampton were down to ten men for almost the entirety of the game. So again, that's not exactly a reliable gauge. And again, it was also behind closed doors matches. So. I think just because he's got an assist against Burnley, I don't think anybody's going to be getting carried away at all. It was it was good from United's perspective that he he did come up um, trumps with that assist, as, as Rich said. Uh, he was at the game with me. It was su- it was such a typical wamsacker assist. He was even sliding as he was doing it as well. So he he still managed to get his uh, his trademark uh, included into an assist. But that you still look at him and you think he, he does very much look like someone who was never a winger. And, and Palace concluded that quite quickly and decided, you're a right-back. And he's still a player that you could easily see playing for Palace. Uh, he's he's aligned with um, the profile of player that Patrick Vieira likes, the way Palace play, that level of the Premier League. I think he would be very, very uh, well-suited to them. And I think he's so well-regarded still at Palace that there are people there who would be receptive to taking him back. So, although the timing isn't ideal where you've only got 31 days essentially to um, sort out a transfer, I don't think he's a player that should be short sure of takers. He was in the summer, but the problem there was that he'd had every United player involved last season, almost every player anyway, had had a disastrous season. It was always going to be difficult to shift them. If you're going to struggle to shift Ronaldo, you're going to struggle to shift other players. And the majority of the departures, of course, were on loans or with these um you know, there was a lot of minutiae involved in the contracts. I mean, you, you double-checking Eric Bailly and what he has to do to, to to trigger a permanent deal to Marseille. It's just not going to happen. He's got to play a certain number of games. Marseille have got to get into the Champions League. I mean, Bailly broke down the last time he, he stepped onto a pitch for um, for Marseille. Alex Tellez, is in the Brazil squad, but nobody was going to stump up cash for someone who had two years left in their contract. I think, was, was James Garner the only player sold for, for a fee? I'm just trying to think Pereira. of anyone who sold. Her, Pereira, yeah. And, and exactly, so Pereira. those those are two players who are on loan elsewhere. So it's no coincidence that the two fees they obtained were for players who were not tarred with the, the brush of everyone else last season at United. So United have had to, you know, they're having to give a bit, themselves a bit of breathing space, really, to kind of try and... Wipe the memory of what happened last season for some of these players' reputations to to recover, and in the case of Wan-Bissaka, his reputation has possibly recovered in the eyes of some some others in the Premier League by by just not playing. They they see him as a fifty million right back at Manchester United, who's who's only twenty five, who is clearly Premier League quality of defensive um, uh, of defensive nature anyway, and think well he can do a job for us. So. Um, i still wouldn't rule out something happening next month but of course where dallow has got that hamstring injury at the moment it remains to be seen what happens there and also when Wan-Bissaka came off the other night he was ten hag was uh, having a quick conflag with him and one of the medical st- staff was was speaking to him as well so um i'm not sure if he if he picks up another injury there possibly which would um which would be interesting given dallow's injured and the only other alternative is is brandon
0: williams well, speaking of players who won't be um triggering triggering clauses to make their loan moves permanent, Ty Martin Dubravka, um, he came in uh, surprisingly to start here against uh, against Burnley and he made one nice save. To be fair to him, I think from that man Benson, but on two moments he nearly absolutely um Paul Robinson did he, the ball <laughs> he took it took his eye off the ball from a back pass and had to be alert to kind of. Pass it away, and what, what was the other thing? He did something else, silly. What was the other thing? Oh, the catch, the ball, the ball, ball and came forward. Yeah, that's
1: sorry. I, th- I thought you meant about the punch, but yeah, I forgot Paul Robinson in Croatia. Yeah, the back pass. Oh. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so tie like it's a, it's a strange one. I, I remember they, they want, I don't get it. They have Heaton who can do that role, and I think we'd all agree, right? He might be 35 now, 36, but he's a better goalkeeper than the and has been consistently for years. So, like, this, this, this signing just doesn't really make sense, and he isn't in, in any of his appearances so far. He hasn't. I know he had that really, really good spell at Newcastle when he was really good for a time. But as we've kind of discussed loads of times, um, you keepers always look better in teams that have loads of shots against them because they can make loads of saves, and no one really bats an eye when they can see them because they're playing for a worse team. It's how it, it's how it goes all the time. Um, but with you know you put into a first team and you need to concentrate more. De Brafka clearly doesn't, or at least on this evidence, doesn't really have that skill set.
2: No, he doesn't. It is a very random one, certainly that he's playing so often. Um, I mean, it's understandable that top clubs want three senior goalkeepers these days. So maybe they did need to bring someone in. But he's, um, yeah, like I said, there's there's very little between him and Heaton, really. And I think, like you say, Tom Heaton, I think is the better goalkeeper and has done it at a better level in the Premier League. I mean, you're talking of someone who's got three or four England caps, I think, Um and like I so say, he might be 35 or 36, but at the end of the day, at least he's still United's goalkeeper rather than Newcastle's at the moment. And it's clear Dubrovka isn't going to be staying at United. He was signed seemingly to, to fit this brief of, of challenging De Gea and playing with his feet. But I mean, that was a, that was a terrifying moment on, on Wednesday. And both of those mistakes came within about a minute and a half of each other. And it was... Um, yeah, it was heart attack territory at that point. He did well to kind of steady himself and uh, and steady steady his nerves, really, because I imagine he was uh, he was jangling at that point. But yeah, it's the goalkeeping department there is is still kind of in in flux, as we've been saying for two or three years now. And like I said, Debravka is clearly not the answer; he's going to go at the end of the season. Um, I think Tom Eaton's contract is up. Hard to say what he will want to do, given his his age and whether he wants to. Have another song playing somewhere or or looks to knock it on the head. De Gea, we know was um anyway, he's having a very good season, but I don't think there's any guarantee he's the answer, and he's certainly not the answer on 375 grand a week. So that that needs to be fixed. And you've got Henderson coming back. Um <laughs> but yeah, it's um I, I didn't see the point of, of playing him really. I think if you're looking at, at we don't know what's going on in training, obviously, but if you're looking at, at Debravka and Heaton in terms of quality and who deserves to start, you would probably say Heaton deserves to to start ahead of him and, mm-hmm. and deserves to get a game, especially as and, and until Heaton picked up an injury just for the World Cup, he seemed to be the number two. He was the one on the bench in the Premier League when, when Dubravka was third choice. And obviously, he had that injury in, in the last which ruled him out of the last round when, when Dubravka did play. I think. And obviously, he's, he's kind of kept his place now, so I suppose that's just the the stroke of luck you have sometimes. But yeah, he, it was not a night where he's fired any confidence should anything to happen to, to De Gea. You know, if De Gea was to, heaven forbid, get some kind of injury, a season-ending injury, you would be pretty fearful of Dubrovka playing mm. six months. Mm. And I don't think he would play six months because that would probably mean that clause being triggered. They'd probably triggered, rather throw yeah. Tom Eaton in than, than actually trigger that clause mm. now. So they'll be um, they'll be crossing their fingers and hoping that De Gea gets through the full season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the goalkeeper situation, does, as you say, does kind of... It's a strange one. I think the World Cup, despite not playing, really helped kind of De Gea's reputation because Unai Simon, who's apparently better than De Gea in every department, and you know, we have we spoken at length about Robert Sanchez and David Rea getting there instead of um instead of De Gea, but Unai Simon certainly did not um, fill anyone with Spain in confidence. He himself had quite a lot of mishaps and was looking never to have really um nearly cost his team a goal due to them. Um if you know if De Gea's not going to Spain due to his Ability on the ball, Samuel. I don't really get why um, Simon is, but um, yeah. What, what, you, what do you make of the whole goalkeeping situation?
1: Well, as, as Ty touched upon there, there, were, there, there's uncertainty with everyone at United. That De Gea, they're opening, they've opened discussions about a new deal. Now, if you do that, you're pretty much nailing your colours to the mast that he's going to be number one for another three, four years potentially. Uh, he's, he's 32 now he, he is having a good season I, I don't think his you know his ability with the ball at his feet is as bad as some people make out and always it, it's as much of an issue as, as others are making out as well I think he has got it in him it was it was one of the reasons why United signed him uh, back in in 2011 but distribution has advanced exponentially since then back then it was pretty much can of keep a keeper, find a, a teammate from from, 80, from 70 or 80 yards. And De Gea could do that, as van der Sar was able to. But there's still uncertainty over his future. Uh, Henderson, that there's a, still a fair amount of time left in his contract. But his his interview to to TalkSport in the summer would suggest that he's, um, you know, he's, he certainly burnt the bridges there. And, and whether he wants to repair them or United want to repair them remains to be seen. Heaton's out of contract in the summer. Uh, Dubravka will probably go back to Newcastle. It's, I mean, is Nathan Bishop even worth mentioning? But he's out of contract in the summer as well. One of the weirdest signings United have ever made. He, I think next month he'll have been at the club for three years, and he arrived from Southend for something like £1.5 pounds. And Ties Ties played at Old Trafford in goal more often than Nathan Bishop. That, that is how that is how peripheral a uh, presence he is at United. He is essentially just a goalkeeping coach, but he's. What 23, 24 it, It's it, you know the, the mind does boggle. So again, that's that's another absolutely key area of the of squad where you've got someone who would be starting on a on a weekly basis that United could pretty much do without, you know, having to invest in that area next year if they if if it could be helped. But things can things can always change. Say they you know new owners come in and they're flush with money and. They decide, you know, the, the manager decides, well, I'm emboldened now to actually go out and buy a goalkeeper that I really, really want. And that 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 can happen. Uh, when, when Ten Hag was asked about De Gea earlier in the season, he didn't sound particularly convincing. When I think I asked him, do you want to keep him? And he didn't say yes. He didn't say no. It was the classic you know, ta- you know, delaying tactic, really. And they've kicked that can down the road far too many times, really. Uh Henderson's last contract he signed in 2020, and he was back in the squad at that point. He thought, okay, here's the passing of the torch. And obviously it's not worked out for a number of reasons. And Henderson, he he confirmed what what we'd reported about him, him being under the impression that he was going to be made number one. He got COVID. He was out of the team. De Gea did well in a few games, and Solskjaer just was not brave enough to bring Henderson back into the team and and make good on his word. So that's why Henderson you know, resented his treatment at United. There's a new manager in place now, but I don't think Henderson's actually had a conversation with Eric Ten Hag. He's certainly not trained under him because Henderson said himself, he said if I, I didn't want to train under him, and so he could see what I could do, he'd probably end up wanting to keep me, which is you know a classic thing that Dean Henderson would say. And in, in regards to some of the names that have been touted as potential United uh, replacements, I mean, Diogo Costa's won, and he was worse than Simon at the World Cup. And I know we shouldn't judge players on on, on a major tournament, but just his general attributes, I wasn't particularly impressed by them. It's almost as if because he's a George Mendes client, because he's in Portugal, uh, because he might have a good penalty record. I don't know. There seems to be a lot of noise around him. And of course, if you're playing for Porto and you're a Portugal international, you're not going to be satisfied with that. You are going to want a move later on. But there's just not an obvious standout candidate to really who has a compelling case there to really go for next year to the point where you'd say, yeah, he should absolutely be David De Gea's replacement. Um, people could talk about Jan yeah, Oblak, but if you're talking about a ball-playing goalkeeper, it's not going to be a goalkeeper who has played under Diego Simeone for years. That that is not the way Atletico Madrid operate. Uh, So I think United are right to keep their powder dry with De Gea for probably 18 more months up until the final expiration date of his contract if they do trigger the one-year deal. But it is interesting that they're already receptive to tying him down on a a long-term deal because if you do that, you've got to sell Henderson next year. I think... One of those two goalkeepers has to be off the books for good next year because that dynamic has always been unsustainable and you're just prolonging the agony, really, for for another year. and That would have been, what, four years, I think, by that point.
0: Yeah, and unfortunately for United, they've already missed out on the the, the real goalkeeping star of the World Cup, as Guermo Ochoa has, has, has today signed for Syria side Salernitana. So, unfortunate <laughs> on that regard. But speaking of World Cup stars, Tyrone uh, Marcus Rashford was back in the starting eleven uh, on Wednesday, and he kind of picked up where he left off before the tournament and during the tournament with a brilliant goal. Now, he, he was helped quite a bit by. Burnley's kind of standoffish approach to defending, but you, to pick the ball up in your own half and run the run the length of the field, taking you know having the confidence to be direct and running straight at defenders, going this way and that, turning them inside out, and then while the the defending you know there's question marks over the defending which may kind of take away from the goal itself. That you, there's nothing that can be taken away from that finish. You know, left to the, his. The goalkeeper's left to the goal across him and into that far corner, a really excellent finish. And it really does bode well for you know, the, the coming matches. And Rashford just even, he, I thought it was really well, is that is even though on his weakest right side, where he's rarely performed well for United or anyone, um, he, to do it while he was at England and then to do it here now at United um, with that goal, it really does look good. And it's just so great to see him really kind of back to his confidence after a, a year or so. Kind of down in the dumps a little bit.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's probably longer than that. It's probably eighteen months to two years where he was yeah. just completely off it. And you look at the, you look at the Marcus Rashford at the end of last season when he couldn't get two games in a row for Ranier. When he came on, he looked he looked completely devoid of confidence. He looked like his his game had just fallen to pieces under Ranier. And it was um, in a way it was quite sad to see because you know how how promising he was and how good he he could be. And I've always kind of defended Rashford on the idea that uh, I was never too sure that he was handled the best way by United in terms of the football he played kind of from 18 onwards, he, he got into the team very unexpectedly, but then he was basically in the team every week after that. And he didn't really have an injury until that shoulder injury recently. He was, he went away pretty much every summer with England at a tournament. He was in every England squad after that. And he kind of went from being below the radar, not really in the team to getting that unexpected chance. And I mean, that was in the February. By the summer, he was playing in the European Championships and he was playing every week for United. And for someone who... It's kind of slowed down a bit now after the injury, but for someone who's still only just turned 25, I think he's played a staggering number of games. And if if you think that he... he if he was to stay United for the rest of his career, um, you know, he would break appearance records, I think, and, and goals records quite yeah. conceivably, given just the quantity of football he has already played. Um, But he does look back to his his best now and... We've said countless times now, I think we all felt Ten Hag would probably be good for him and he he certainly has been. And like I say, it, it wasn't the run that did it for me the other night, really. It was the finish. I thought that finish was just phenomenal and that's, yeah. that's always kind of the area you can tell with Rashford, whether he's on it or not because his finishing is unpredictable and, and can be a bit wayward, as we've always said. And it was only I think it was the Tottenham game, wasn't it, when he was being criticised by Thierry Henry for kind of blasting every finish and not taking care with his finishing and you, you do see that occasionally and it's been a constant theme that for all the goals he scored um, he also misses a lot of chances but but that finish was was purely on instinct and the the way he got past the centre-back I think it was Bayer wasn't it Jordan Bayer the, the ball kind of broke to him maybe a little bit sooner than he expected but he just he just hit it first time and with so much ac- accuracy I, I thought it was a phenomenal finish and it's it's kind of one of those things where when you see Rashford doing that, you know he is he is on it and he is at the top of his game. And he looks that way at the moment. Like we said, he had a great World Cup. Very unfortunate not to start in the knockout stages, really, given what, what he produced in the group games. Mm. And he just, he looks, he looks probably United's best attacker at the moment, you would say. I think, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Martial can deliver in the second half of the season if he stays fit. But at the moment you look at that attack and you'd probably say Rashford is, is the leader and, and rightly so and that's what United have wanted of him for the last seven years really ever since he, he broke through and, and now he's delivering it and just needs to stay consistent and sign that new contract of course.
0: Of course, of course. What did, what did you make of his display on goal Samuel?
1: Yeah, I'd just echo what Ty said really. The, the, the issue of his finishing is an interesting one because you go back to the first game of the season against Brighton and Ronaldo put one on the plate for him, and it was it, it was a dreadful effort. He, he was flagged offside, but or Ronaldo was flagged offside, but the replay showed if he'd actually scored it, the, the goal would have stood. And that was when the ball went to him at that time. He thought he's not going to score this because you just did not have that confidence in him in in those uh, in those situations go fast forward a couple of weeks and he's in a similar situation one on one against liverpool and he puts it away and he's he's not really looked back since he's they've, they've been there's been the odd performance where which has been a worry but he's very swiftly recovered from it i mean the the, the city the, the, the derby game was obviously a complete um a complete disaster although yeah he was he was starting that game wasn't he he was starting up front it was it was more the wingers who were the problem in that one than him. So you cut him a bit of slack for that game, but you you look at the goals he scored this season. He's not actually scored many goals in the league, but the four goals he has scored have gained United nine points. And even the Arsenal game that was that was possibly the turning point for him that that um, that one because his performance overall was not actually particularly good, I didn't think. Yeah, he got the assist for Anthony and he he scored the two other goals. Now, if you're getting two goals and assists and a 3-1 win against Arsenal, you've played well. Whatever else you've done in the game, it's, it's kind of irrelevant. And sometimes strikers need those games where they don't play well, but they're, they're taking their chances. And one of those chances he took, I think the first goal, it, it might have taken a nick off Ben White. It wasn't the most convincing of finishes, but he got, he got lucky a little bit. And Last season he wouldn't have got lucky because last season was his, his Um but this season he is getting into those situations. The header against West Ham was was a tremendous goal and, and not the kind of goal you associate um, you associate with him. And and the the goal against Villa when he equalised in the League Cup, where I think he held off Tyrone Mings and he just delayed his shot a little bit more to give him that room so he could put it um, he, he could find that gap. He's scoring goals that. Previously, he wouldn't have scored, and we talk about performances and not scoring. His his performance against Tottenham is possibly, in terms of a complete performance, one of his best uh, of his career, not just for United but in general. But because he didn't get the goal that night, he does he didn't get all the acclaim that that Fred did or or other players did. And and really, it was like we all just, we all said it at the time. It was by far and away United's best performance of the season. It, it's the best I've seen them in about five and a half years. And key to that was, was Rashford and him really playing as a complete striker. All it lacked was a goal. And and Thierry Henry's point is, is a salient one in that he does too often just hit it on the laces. He doesn't vary it enough. He does like to go for power. He, he's not um, like Martial. Martial tried it the other night, but he rather botched it. But his signature goal really is curling it into the top corner. And Rashford hasn't really... you. Know, Added that variation to his player, and he is 25 now. So, if he does do it, he's you're starting to look at a player, and you're thinking maybe he can attain that world class level because United certainly need that from him now, given the absence of a real. Of a forward there who has a real presence, who is a really reliable goal scorer. He's on nine goals now at Rashford. He should, at the very, very minimum, be looking to break the 20 goal barrier this season. And that would mark a hell of a recovery after what happened last season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's great to see him kind of getting back to his best or being at his best um, already. But, you know, the one the one kind of intriguing bit to the game, Ty, was that centre-back partnership. You know, we've kind of touched on how it was um, a strong team elsewhere, but circumstances just meant that Ten Hag had to kind of make a bit of a makeshift back line, and saying Juan Bissarca coming back in um, at the right back. But in, at centre-back, it was Casimiro that was drafted in to partner Victor Lindelof. We'll touch on um, the the situations with the other three centre-backs and why they Weren't in uh, momentarily, but w- what did you make of kind of Casemiro fitting in? It looks like there's a possibility and um, they may have to play there again against Forest. And my only my concern wouldn't be with Casemiro, I thought he was fine, I think there was one. There was one mishap where he um, had a misplaced pass, but that could happen in midfield anyway. I think all his skills in midfield translate quite nicely to um, playing at centre back. I think the issue is that you're breaking up what you lose. What's been so- exactly, exactly. Yeah. What's been such a driving factor for United um, in the upturn of results? It's been that midfield trio of Eriksen, Casemiro, and Fernandez to take him out and. Sadly, for the replacement to be such um, a kind of uh, a downgrade in quality in McTominay, I think even against Burnley, McTominay really didn't stand out. And there was one moment where he won the ball back and sprung counter, and I think it's what led to that Martial chance. You were just talking about Samuel, where he tried bend it in and just couldn't quite get the direction on it. But that side, he was just, even against you know, a championship side, he was misplacing passes, kind of charging about, and just wasn't that cool collective presence that Casemiro has been um, for the last couple of months.
2: What, what what do you reckon uh, to to the scenario? Yeah, McTominay's passing has always been um, inconsistent. I think it'd be fair to say he he can do it, but there was also one in the first half, I think, where he he presented. It might kind of first half or second half now, but he presented Burnley with with a real opportunity just by playing a a crossfield pass about thirty yards from his own goal that that never had enough pace to to get to the player, and um, that's that's always been, I think, in, an issue with with McTominay's game that his passing is. Is maybe not as not as sharp and not as consistent as we expect. But when when the when those team sheets landed on on Wednesday, I presumed it would be McTominay at centre back, given he has played that role for Scotland. And I mean, he, he's played it in a back three, but I think you, you, you could have done it against Burnley. Um, I think either would have would have been fine, really, given Burnley's threat. They've got Ashley Barnes up front, who's obviously a a, a nasty guy to play against. <laughs> it's fair to say, but. They don't um you know, they don't tend to lump it for him now and, and get him out sharpening his elbows and and all of that stuff that they did in the dice. It's a bit more cultured now with with Barnes as um a very rarely used plan B to, to kind of get a few digs in. Um, tell that to the Blackburn goalkeeper who got shoved in the net the other week. Yeah, absolutely a remarkable yeah, yeah. scene. <laughs> Everything ended up in the net that day, didn't it? Yeah. Um <laughs> Yeah, he's definitely got that about him, Barnes. I think either could play in central defence and it'd be interesting to see what, what he does against Forest. Like you say, we'll, we'll come on to whether anyone else might fill that role. But it, it is a case that Casemiro, is. you do lose a lot from midfield, I think. Not just in terms of his ability to defence midfield, but even to get United playing. The, the thing I've been most surprised about with Casemiro was the quality of his forward passing and his ability to, to break break lines with his passing since he arrived. I didn't really pick watching from Real I didn't really pick up on on that side of his game you just saw him as a you know a very good holding player a bit of a destroyer someone who was positionally excellent when Real had players forward and lost the ball and were counter-attacked on he always knew where to be but his his quality on the ball and his his passing not just in terms of keeping the ball but firing 30 yard forward passes into into the feet of forwards or the more advancement fielders has been phenomenal and, and an, an element I didn't really no, he he had to his game to, to that degree really. So I think when you take him out of the side, you you do you do lose that really. So when you take him out of that position, you you do lose that.
0: Yeah, definitely. But you know, a, a win, a comfortable win, a professional win, coming back into into action and into the quarterfinals, as you mentioned earlier, Samuel Charlton next, and and then United should be looking at at least a semi final finish here. You know, the the the, the League Cup semi finals are a bit more unpredictable given their two legged. Um, Two-legged nature, but if you'd like to imagine if you kind of avoid City United, have no reason why they shouldn't be getting to a final and hopefully um, a, a real chance at finally ending that five-year trophy drought. And I, I think it's quite similar to kind of Mourinho's first season back in 2016-17. He similarly, even though he played Northampton in the first and United's first uh, game in the tournament, played a pretty strong team strong even sky. against yeah. a team who, mm, even a team who just come up from League Two, didn't take any chances and. Rashford was quite, I thought he was quite candid after the game and uh, quite candid on how um, how hurtful he was after the England exit, but spoke really well um, about how the car, winning the Carabao Cup, although a lot of teams see it as meaningless, but um, it, does, it gives a real boost and gives a taste of wanting to kind of win such trophies later on in the season, as Rashford said. And, you know, we've seen City in the last five years win it and go on to win something else near enough every season afterwards. It, it can be a real driver and Ten Hag clearly not taking any chances and clearly wants to win it.
1: It has become a cliche really. I think Ferguson might have been responsible for that or or Mourinho in fact during his first spell at Chelsea when they they took it very seriously. They won it in 2005 against Liverpool in the final. They won the league later that season then they won the league the next season of course and Ferguson used to... Um, you know, I mean, the, the League Cup was like the, the ginger stepchild of, of trophies to him, uh, really. He, he had nothing but contempt for it, it felt like, until it got to the point where United had gone a while without winning a trophy and then come the 2006, sorry, the 2005-06 season, which was a very fraught one, uh, they, they took it very seriously and and won it for only the second time. And so since then, United have never really treated it as, um, as an inconvenience and it, as, as you said just then, Mourinho. I remember, I remember that game against um, Northampton, and you know, I think that it was one-one. He brought Ibrahimovic and Rashford on, so that's just how serious he treated it. Ten Hag has not really played a weakened team all, all season. The one time where he did, uh, where he oversaw quite a notable amount of rotation, was for the Sociedad game. United lost that, and in the end, that cost them. Um, winning the the Europa League group and that's given them you know, thrown up a draw with Barcelona in a playoff, which could jeopardise their chances of of winning that competition. That they do just need to try and end that trophy drought as soon as quick as, as soon as possible. January is looking extremely hectic now because, as you say, they should get through to the semi-finals. The semi-final is two-legged, which just seems absolutely ludicrous. Um, in in this day and age, really, never mind the fact that it's a season where you've got a World Cup in the middle of it. But the League Cup has become a hard sell. I mean, I I didn't know what what was gonna come sooner. The game against Charlton or the draw last night. Mark Chapman said the draw's come in twenty minutes and then it was it was nearly eleven PM and it was it was coming coming up past my bedtime when it was drawn out and then they, they they're still asking Shea given what his thoughts are. I mean it was not a great sell for the League Cup and, and the League Cup has been difficult to um to, to really get behind as a watchable contest in recent years because City have monopolised it. Which it was helpful last season that Chelsea and Liverpool actually got to the final, and it was a different winner. And that's the thing; it's it's normally a big team that wins it. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Maybe Swansea were the last, the last mm. side who won it outside the the, the bigs, what have you. Uh, so yeah, as you say, you, you had Birmingham in 2011. Villa got to the final in. In, in two thousand and ten, Spurs got Spurs won it in two thousand and eight, and they got to the final in two thousand and nine. Um, but traditionally, it's 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 you know it's it's valued by by the big clubs, and if Guardiola's valuing it, then then everyone should value it, and, and Mourinho did before him as well. So it's it's a great opportunity for United. I suspect the the EFL will be hoping that. They and City both get through and then they're kept apart in the semi-finals throughout the possibility of a Manchester derby in the final. So that's that's the tricky part for United. City is still in it. They're still loitering um, and I, 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 although it was you know, a very watchable contest between them and Liverpool, um, I think City could have possibly won that game a little bit more comfortably and they, they, they did look very good again.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh Away from the match tie, you know, Ten has been talking, of course, to you and your colleagues. Um, in the, after the game, and it, it was quite interesting. He was asked about Cody Gakpo, and he, sh- he shut that kind of uh, speculation down pretty quickly. It came from Rudy van Nistelrooy saying earlier in the week that there comes a time when you uh you can't say no for bids for certain players when you know kind of contextually when you're a Dutch side and. Those transfers are what keep you going, and Gakpo, of course, is one of the um, the breakout stars of the World Cup. United were linked with him um, last summer, so they've they've seemingly had their eye on him for quite a while. But Ten Hag was kind of quick to shut that down and say, uh, you know, there were many good players in the World Cup, which is certainly a fact. But uh, you know, what what do you you reckon? You know, keeping his cards close to his chest, nothing kind of new there for managers. But what did you reckon to his um, to his response?
2: Yeah, I think we've heard enough now from from Ten Hag to know that he doesn't often speak about. Opposition players, and and he is, you know, Gakpo was a player that it's no secret United liked in in the summer. I think when they signed, it always felt like he was a plan B to Anthony, but the picture has changed with with Ronaldo leaving. He, it doesn't look like the ideal replacement because he's still, I think he's still more of a wide forward. Mm. He's, he is Mm. a tall wide forward. He did kind of play more centrally for, for Holland in the World Cup, but I think every game he started for Holland this year, for PSV this year, has been on the left wing. And United aren't really short of, of players on the left cutting in onto their right foot. So it feels, if you're going to play him as a number nine or a, a false nine or something like that, it feels like more of a project player than someone you can drop in straight away and and play him there. But obviously his, his record for PSV this season is astonishing, even with the caveat that it is the Eredivisie. He did score three goals in the World Cup. He did he did play more as a number 10, I would say, in, in that tournament and with a... The, the, the you know there's going to be a shortage of attackers that United can actually get in January and, and he is someone who could well be on the move, um so I think it's inevitable that, that they will have another look at him and, and be linked with him but he doesn't feel like an obvious fit to come in you know he's not someone you can sign and drop in as a number nine this season I think and not certainly not to the same standard just because he he doesn't play that role and hasn't really played that role. What do you reckon, Samuel?
1: I I, do, I agree with Ty. I don't think he's the profile they should be going for. Uh, I'm I'm not as uh, I'm going to be more reluctant to, to underestimate players coming from the Eredivisie than I was in the summer because United <laughs> have won the signings of the season in Martinez, albeit in a different position, different character. But but Gapo was only really played as centre forward for for the Netherlands because the, the the formation that Van Gaal went with with a back three dictated that and in. In the Netherlands, playing a back three is, is, is sacrilegious. It should be 4-3-3 in their eyes. But but Gakpo had a, a pretty good World Cup. He will almost certainly leave PSV next year, whether it's in the winter or the summer, remains to be seen. But there were other Premier League clubs that were in for him in the summer. I think it was Southampton and, and, and Leeds. So it's it's a strange, you know, for, for United to be in that company is is somewhat peculiar. But of course, Ten Hag has come from the league. He's watched him at first and they share the same representative as well. Uh, but the, the caveat is that he's a right-footed left winger. That is the last position that United should be buying for. And you've got to have some form of physicality in, in the Premier League. And, and Gakpo still does look quite slight. I mean, Marshall for for all his um, you know, he's, he's got pros and cons, of course, but he's he's not exactly a pushover of a striker. He can he can put himself about. I don't think Gakpo is necessarily that player. And if you're go if you're signing someone for that fee, I think they've got to be you know, you've got to have a pretty good guarantee of them scoring quite regularly in the Premier League. But then again, United signed Anthony for what was it eighty five and a half million pounds and. He's still really yet to catch fire. He had, a, he had a pretty good start as far as three goals and three league games are concerned. But he's, he's quite a fitful talent and that's a hell of a lot of money they've invested in him. So I think they need someone who is not as much of a potential player. And, and Anthony is in the same bracket as Gakpo. I think Anthony's 22, Gakpo's 23, another forward coming from the Netherlands. I, I, I just think they need to be have, have a bit more variety about them. And they 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 are they, they are looking at other players, and there are other forwards uh, that that Ten Hag likes and has come across. I mean, Gonzalo Ramos before everybody had heard of him, really. Ten Hag was aware of him because he again he saw him at first hand when Benfica knocked out Ajax in the in the uh, Champions League last season. But I mean, it was, it was quite funny what Ten Hag said in the press conference the other day because there was there was a reporter there who I'd never seen before. And he was literally just asking him questions that we had asked him in Spain two weeks earlier. And, and Tenag, I mean, there was one outlet that was still obsessing over Ronaldo, which to us is complete ancient history. We've had our fill of that. But uh, one outlet was going on about, oh, no mention of him in the programme notes and only 81 words in the programme and blah, blah, blah. Uh, but Tenag actually said to him, well, you know, I actually told the people in the journalists in Spain about this and he did give us chapter and verse on it. So Gapo was another question that he'd already been asked, but it it was asked of him again. And the response was as as you'd expect it to be.
0: Absolutely. And then looking forward to next week, no Boxing Day game, which even though it may not be traditional, certainly a relief to us, like we can enjoy our Christmas (laughs) day a bit more freefully. (laughs) That's (laughs) for sure. Um, Looking forward to it, Samuel. Ten I doesn't sound too optimistic. Well, he doesn't sound optimistic at all about Sancho being involved. But uh, it doesn't seem like Martinez, maybe Brennan, maybe Maguire might not be involved at all in in that match, which will presumably lead to Casemiro playing at centre back again. What What do you make of the uh, the, the scenario with them? For
1: I think I, I would imagine one at least one will be in that team just because. Varane, wherever he is, he's not going to be too far away. Whether he's in Spain or just across the Channel, you've seen Mbappe. He's already back in training with with PSG, and it looks like he might be involved in their their game this this weekend against Strasbourg. I think they're playing. So Varane, I could I could see starting. Uh, you you want a centre back in there for obvious reasons because it's you've got a specialist, and it also means you've got Casemiro. Um, in his, his best role, playing to his to his optimum as well. So I, I I still, you know, my suspicion is that they will have a centre-back in there and that Martinez will be in training on Boxing Day and, and Varane will probably be in training on Boxing Day. They'll, they'll probably train on Christmas Day as well, United, but maybe not those two, given that this week is their week off. But given the needs at centre-half at the moment, maybe in the case of Varane where he's, you know, he's, he's, if if he's just across the channel it's not exactly far away he'll be back in sooner than than expected and i think he's probably i don't think united've got any issues with with him in terms of the the final people at the club said that there were issues with the england players after the euros final which is is understandable certainly in the case of of rashford given the the grief that he suffered from some some more runs after it but Varan's—he's been around the block a fair few times. He's—he's he's 29. He's already won the World Cup as well, which must must help somewhat. It's not like it's—it—it um, it was his last shot at trying to win the World Cup. So you would hope that he would be available to to play in that Forest game. And it would only be nine days on from from the World Cup final. So I think the mental challenges are greater than the physical ones in general. But I suppose in Varane's case, given how injury prone he's been at United, he's someone who will be um, taken care of a little bit more delicately. And, And Ten Hag said... All these players who've come back from the World Cup—they are all on different programs. Nobody's on the same program because it's different ages, different positions, different um, different lengths of playing time as well.
0: Mm-hmm. And Ty, how do you how do you see this match coming and uh, shaking out? As Samuel mentioned at the start, not an awful lot of points between Burnley and Forest, um, and the, you can all kind of play a similar way. In Forest, wanting to be a bit more attacking, um, how, how, do, how do you see the the game shaking out? Surely United kind of. Keep the the good times rolling and come back to the Premier League with
2: a victory. I I would have thought so, yeah. Especially you now they've had that run out against Burnley and the you know the fixture gods have been very kind to them. I think post World mm. Cup playing mm. uh, Forest, Wolves, Bournemouth, first three back. I mean t- two of the bottom three, three of the bottom six or seven, I would say. Um, two of those games at home, so the the fixture computer has been been very kind to them. Like Sammy says, I can see Varane starting that even if he has one training session, 10 out of three players and after one session yesterday, Varane is going to be close at hand. He might be keen to get a game and, and get the World Cup final out of his system. Yeah. So I can see him playing and, and really it, it shouldn't be a difficult fixture for United. And really they should be looking at the next three really and, and talking about nine points out of nine because I think that the fixture list is, is certainly kind to them over Christmas. Absolutely. Well,
0: we'll be back next week to talk about that, everyone. Thank you very much for listening to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. And, of course, if you want to see it in living colour, you can go over to our YouTube channel, Man United UTD underscore MEN and see all our ugly mugs uh, live in motion. But once again, everyone, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week to um, delve into that Nottingham Forest game. But until then, it's goodbye for now and we'll wish you all a very Merry Christmas.